got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Titus. A little book, one of my favorite passages. I think I was thinking about this because it's a passage that I remember memorizing, uh, man, when I was probably about Peter's age. Uh, it was one of the ones that taught, uh, my, my folks taught me. And to me, it, it just makes the, the gospel message so clear. So let's, let's read it. It's Titus chapter 3, starting with verse 3. He says this, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy and hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And I love the way this starts. So if you just look at verse 3, for we also once... We're foolish ourselves. <laughs> now let me ask you, is there any more truer statement in the Bible than that? Right? Weren't we all in the past foolish? We look at things that we've done. I, I've been telling the story about, uh, I got my first, I was out of college. I got my first big boy job making all of $11,000 a month, right? It was awesome. Or excuse me, a year, not a month. <laughs> it was not quite $1,000 a month. Well, I was, I, was, I was in the big boy money because I was a youth pastor, right? That you rake it in. And uh, in the foolishness of my youth, I went out and I bought a brand new, like brand new, brand new car that I think cost probably close to a year's salary. And I bought it in northern Ohio where everything rusted out. And so within three years, there was rust all over this thing. I, it was just foolish, right? We've all done those foolish things. Well, when he talks about that we were foolish, he's not referencing those things as much as he's referencing the foolishness that we also all experienced when we came to this point of thinking that we knew better than God. So, so his whole point here is we were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And, and, and the foolishness that he talks about is this foolishness that we all had from Adam on that we think we know better than God. So God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, I've given it all to you but one tree. But Adam and Eve thought, man, if we eat of the one tree, then we'll be like God, like we know better. That's what's better for us. And they did, and they walked in disobedience, and it's screwed up everything. And ever since then, all of us think we know better than God. We, we think that, that somehow we can figure out this life better than God. And it's in that foolishness that we walk in disobedience. It's in that foolishness that we start looking for meaning in things like lust and pleasure than what God has said. What God told us is that we were created in his image. 
We are to be his image bearers. So our meaning, our purpose, our our happiness, our well-being is found in relationship with him. But we go looking for it in every other place than in a, other than our relationship with him. And that's where we, we, we look for it in stuff and that's where envy comes in and we look for it in relationships and that's where the hateful aspects come in and, and so it's just this disobedience and, and his point is that's where we all were none of us none of us have been able to figure this out because we've all walked in our own foolishness trying to figure this thing out and walking in disobedience to the Lord. But what he says then in verse 4 to me is so awesome. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Right? Jesus is God's love gift to mankind. You see, God knew that we all lived in our foolishness. And because of that, we were separated from him. We all chosen to kind of go our own way. And so God, in his grace, sent Jesus. That's his love gift. You, you think of how Jesus' best friend John put it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. But the Word then became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So Jesus, as the Word of God, God himself becomes human flesh, and he comes to live this out here in this world. And the beautiful thing is, is that because Jesus was God, he didn't live in foolishness. He never thought he knew better than the Father. He always lived in perfect submission to the will of God. So he lived a perfect life. No sin, no foolishness, no disobedience. And so now as this perfect son of God, what he's able to do, perfect man, one of us, is he's able to go and to die for us. And so Jesus willingly, you know, that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Jesus willingly went to the cross he, he often told people, this is why I've come. I, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus willingly went to the cross to die in our place, to take our sin, our, our shame, our guilt, our foolishness upon him. And to pay that penalty. The way Isaiah, the, the prophet put it in Isaiah 53 is this, for he was pierced through for our transgressions. Not for his own, because he had none. He was crushed for our iniquity. The chastening for our well-being upon, fell upon him, and with his scourging, we are healed. You see, Jesus, because he was perfect, as Paul put it, he knew no sin. He took our sin. He took our shame. He took our foolishness upon him, and he's, he's beaten crown of thorns placed upon his head he's nailed to a cross he's lifted between heaven and earth because he is dying in our place he is giving himself as a sacrifice for our foolishness I love how Isaiah 53 6 put it all of us like sheep have gone astray 
We've all turned to our own way. We've all lived in our own foolishness, trying to think that we knew better than God. We've walked in our disobedience. But the Lord caused the iniquity, the sin, the foolishness of us all to fall on him. So as Jesus hangs on the cross, all of our sin, all of our iniquity, all of our foolishness is, is now upon Jesus. Now, because it's on him, he's got to bear our punishment. Well, what was our punishment? It's our sin that separates us from God. Jesus, who had had a perfect relationship, eternal relationship with his father. Now, as he hangs on the cross, what we read is that there's this, this darkness that comes on the face of the earth. Not a storm, right? They put it in a movie. It's always a storm. and doesn't say anything about a storm. It's just like the sun refuses shine. It's interesting that uh, Caesar in Rome actually wrote about this darkness on this day. It's as though the father turns his back on his own son. Why? Because Jesus is bearing our sin. He now has got to bear our penalty. In the middle of it, he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? He's bearing our penalty. <laughs> but the best news is, is that he did bear it, and he paid for it. And just before he dies, he now says, it is finished. The debt is paid. It's paid in full. The sun shines again. Jesus now dismisses his spirit. They take him down. They put him in a cold, damp tomb. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And now what he offers to every single one of us is that forgiveness of our foolishness, that forgiveness of our sin, salvation. But this is where we get it so messed up. He offers it to us as a gift, a gift of mercy, not as a result of works, Look, look at verse 5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Folks, do you, do you understand? This is where so many people get this so confused. They think that they've got to be baptized. They think they have to take communion. They think they have to come to church. They think they have to, you know, walk little old ladies across the street. Whatever it is, right? Good things so that God will smile on me so that I can have eternal life. And yet Paul reminds us absolutely not. It's not based on the good works we have done. It's based upon mercy. What's mercy? Mercy is that which we don't deserve. It's, it's forgiveness that I didn't earn. It's grace that is not mine because of what I've done. It's just because of him. And so to receive that, you have to receive that humbly. You have to come to that point of realizing, I don't deserve this, right? I, I deserve hell. I deserve to be separated from God forever. But Jesus died for me. Jesus took that for me. And so I humbly received by faith what Jesus did. Folks, that's what brings salvation. It's not baptism. It's not coming to church. It's faith in Jesus. 
and what he did, that he died for me. I don't deserve it. I can tell you I didn't deserve it the day I, I accepted it, and I don't deserve it today, some 50 years later, but it's mine because of what Jesus has done. The cool piece here is he reminds us of all of us who come by faith that we have a future too. Look at verse 7. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, at salvation, the moment that we come humbly, not on the basis of what we've done, but just simply in our sin, in, in our rebellion, in our foolishness, and, and just say, God, I know I don't deserve this, but I know that you died for me, and I want you to come into my life and forgive me and be my Savior. At that moment, we become the children of God. We become heirs of all that is his. We become a member of the family. Think of how John put it in his book. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. It wasn't to those who were baptized, to those who joined the church, but it was those who believed in his name. Salvation becomes through faith. And we become children of God, heirs. And part of our inheritance is that we get to live forever with him. See, this is another mistake we make. We talk about eternal life. And we interpret eternal life as a quantity. It's not a quantity. I can safely tell every single one of you in here today no matter what your relationship with Jesus is, you are going to live forever. Every single one of you. Why? Well, because he made us in the image of God. What's the image of God? God is eternal. You are going to live forever. That's not what he means by eternal life. It's not quantity, because every one of you, a million years, not this body, nah, it'll be gone. But you, you're still going to be around. What's eternal life? Eternal life is a quality of life. It is to spend eternity in relationship with your God. As the one who made you as his image bearer, finding your meaning, your purpose, all mercy and grace and kindness and love and all of that forever. You don't know Jesus. You're going to live forever, but you're going to live forever in the absence of God in the absence of all mercy and grace and, and peace and joy. We call it hell. And as an heir, as one who comes to faith in Jesus, we are heir to this relationship with, with God forever. And the beautiful thing about eternal life is it does not start the way day we die. It starts the moment we come to faith in Jesus because he comes and lives inside of us, right? So his promise is, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Not in this life or in the life to come. So Jesus is our hope for today. And Jesus is our hope for tomorrow. Because we have relationship with him today. We walk with him through the trials and the testings of this life. But we also know that it's coming that day when we will walk with him in white. 
So my question to you today is, have you come to that place of putting your faith and trust in Jesus? That's what brings eternal life. That's what brings the promise of heaven. Or do you sit there in foolishness and say, no, I've got this worked out. It's going to be okay. Oh, I'll come to that place later. Jesus says, today is the day of salvation. And he stands there with the absolute free gift of eternal life and says, would you come to me? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you that though we have all walked in our own foolishness, that you came to die to pay for our foolishness, to pay for our sins, to provide eternal life as a free gift. And Father, maybe there's someone who's here this morning or watching us online who, Lord, they've been trying to figure it out on their own. They've been trying to do it their own way. And this morning, you've pulled all that back and you've caused them to see. May this be the moment where right now in their heart, they just simply in humility come to you, admit their sin, their brokenness, and invite you into their life to forgive them, to be their Savior. Because, Lord, I know if they will do that, your promise is, is that you will forgive. You will make them heirs of all that is yours. And, Father, for those of us that know you, may we live in the light of that wonderful reality that we have eternal life today. The joy of walking with you today. And so, Lord, may you accept our praise, our worship. May we focus our eyes upon you to live for you, to be your image bearers. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>